are listening to the Unsung Lung Podcast, presented by Alberta Lung. And welcome to November. It's the time of year when the air gets cold, the leaves are all gone, and it's a perfect time to just squish into your comfiest blanket and listen to a podcast, like, say, the Unsung Lung Podcast. We have an amazing episode planned for you today that is all about lung cancer and screening for disease, so I know you'll love it. Before we dive into that, I just wanted to let you know about an amazing feature of Alberta Lung's website. For those of you directly affected by lung disease, whether it's you or a friend or a loved one, Alberta Lung has some helpful resources for you. Simply go onto Alberta Lung's website at www.ablung.ca and hover over the Get Support option at the top of the page. After that, click on the Patient Resources tab and you'll be directed to a wealth of resources for many different topics like housing, financial support, medical support, and even caregiver support. All of these resources are there to help you navigate the difficult health landscape and if there is something that you have a question about that we don't have an answer to online, please feel free to reach out to us. Okay, now on to today's show. Our guests today are Dr. Elaine Tremblay and Stephanie Fisher-Dortman. Dr. Tremblay is the medical lead for the Alberta Lung Cancer Screening Program and co-chair for the Alberta Thoracic Oncology Program based in Calgary. He has developed an interventional pulmonary medicine center in Calgary and he loves to go snowboarding on his off days. Stephanie is the Senior Project Manager at Alberta Health Services for the Alberta Lung Cancer Screening Program. Stephanie received bachelor's degrees in both physical education and social work, sort of like me with my weird science, technology, and society undergrad, I guess. Today we'll be discussing Alberta's two-year limited project for lung cancer screening. Did you know that screening for lung cancer regularly can decrease your risk of dying from the disease by nearly 25%? That's actually incredible. We'll be discussing why screening is so important, the mortality rate of lung cancer, and why rates are rising across Canada. Well, rates are actually declining, but the number is increasing. If my recollection serves me right, we haven't actually spoken about lung cancer on this show yet. Man, what a disservice to such a huge problem in the lung health world. Maybe the universe was waiting for us to get just the right guests on the show, and I don't think we could have gotten any better than Dr. Trombley and Stephanie. So without further ado, I'll send you through to the interview as we discuss all things lung cancer. Well, it is my absolute pleasure to welcome two leading minds in the world of lung cancer and lung cancer screening on the show today. So welcome Dr. Elaine Trombley and Stephanie Fisher-Dortman to the show. I'll start with you, Dr. Trombley. How's it going today? 
Pretty good. How are you? Can't complain. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, you're you're in Calgary, right, Doctor Tomberley? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yes. Before the podcast, me and Stephanie were talking. She's in Lethbridge, so she doesn't have to worry about the snow that Edmonton's having. I'm not sure how how it is down in Calgary today, but Edmonton yeah, got it was, dumped. There was on. more rain when I came in earlier, but uh, I think it may have changed. Oh yeah, it's it's the season, so um maybe if we stop talking about the cold it'll go away i don't know how that kind of karma stuff works but season, i'm not too upset exactly yeah oh actually i have that in in your bio at the start in our introduction so that's that's amazing uh how, how's it going with you stephanie how are you today good yeah busy day lots of meetings and just sharing information about the program again so yeah excited to be here thanks for having us Perfect. Yeah. So uh, I think today we'll, we'll, ha- we'll have a little bit of science side with Dr. Tremblay and then the, I guess if you want to call it the societal side and how we screen for, for lung cancer uh, with Stephanie. So we'll just go on back, uh, we'll go back and forth between the questions and hopefully learn a lot about lung cancer. I, I was mentioning uh, in my introduction that I haven't actually dedicated a show to lung cancer yet, which is crazy because we've been on for almost two years and lung cancer is one of the most important lung diseases that just by per capita with with problems and 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 things of that nature so anyways uh it, it, it's amazing that we get to talk about it today so this first question is specifically for dr tremblay uh going back to basics sort of can you explain to our listeners what cancer in general is and what is happening to our bodies when we have the disease yeah, really on a broad uh, sense, you know, cancer is an abnormal growth of uh, cells, you know, the bu- building blocks of our body and, you know, all our cells and, uh, or most of our cells, I should say, replicate and grow and replace themselves. Uh, but it's all done in a very controlled and organized manner. And cells that don't work or are older or, uh, or develop mutations are usually taken care of and destroyed uh, through various mechanisms. Um, at some point, some cells start to grow and replicate, um, you know, without those controls, you know, they escape those, those various controls, um, usually because they've accumulated a a variety of mutations, um, and they become cancerous and they can grow in the organ that they've started in. And then eventually they can start spreading to other places in the body and, and, and cause more trouble than harm. Um, so that as a nutshell, and, and that's how 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 people start to to suffer clinical disease and, and illness and eventually uh, uh, death if the t- tumors aren't uh, treated uh, or can't be treated. Yeah, perfect. That, that, that's a great base so that we can build off of that. So switching gears now, we'll we'll go back and forth between Dr. Trombley and Stephanie. Uh, in regard to lung cancer screening, Stephanie, how were you first involved with the lung cancer screening program here in Alberta? Were you already working for Alberta Health Services or did you get a position in, in a different way? How, how did that all come to play? Yeah, sure. I was already working for Alberta Health Services um, and I was hired as the senior project manager back in December of 2021 before the program launched officially. Um, And it was our job, Dr. Tremblay and mine and a very small team of leads to really develop the program from the ground up. Um, We had to work with clinical experts um, in the field to develop that eligibility criteria, program standards, program resources, uh, an IT solution. Um, We also had to hire staff and engage with our stakeholders and our partners. Uh, Before the position, I had um, 
probably aging myself, but have over 25 years of experience working in healthcare, just in a variety of different settings. I definitely did not come in as an expert in cancer or cancer screening or lung. Um, I actually started my career in uh, uh, working with patients who had sustained brain injuries and then did um, injury prevention, health promotion, community development, um, and then um, was in Saskatchewan and then moved to Alberta about 13 years ago, I believe, and uh, worked with the South Zone uh, executive and then Indigenous health uh, planning and performance. So I've had just lots of different experiences and background to lead me to this um, amazing opportunity to be able to, you know, develop a brand new program and, and launch it in the province and spread it uh, across Alberta for the patients. Yeah, that's super interesting. I can certainly empathize with both of you on on building a health program, certainly not to the level of a lung health screening program province wide. But before I got to Alberta Lung, there wasn't the position of health promotion coordinator. It was a financial position mixed with health promotion into one person. And then they split that up and I took just the health side and I had to kind of build it up as I saw fit. And that was extremely fun and kind of putting too much power in the hands of a very young person, but I took it and and I loved it. It was amazing. So uh, moving back to you, Dr. Trombley, I'm curious on on uh, your first uh, uh, kind of upbringing in respiratory medicine. What what interested you in respiratory health and, and how did that all get started? Well, I, I mean, my my clinical job is a, I'm a respiratory medicine specialist. I've been doing this for uh, over 20 years now. Uh, here in Calgary, and um, um, you know, I I I um I do a part of pulmonary medicine called interventional pulmonary medicine, which is a lot of procedures and, and cameras and biopsies, and you know, because of that, we you know we see a whole lot of lung cancer. Uh, you know, as as we may get into, it's the most common cancer that we have in our society, so we see a lot of it. And um, um, I, as as that evolved, you know, we we developed all kinds of you know you know, advanced techniques for diagnosis and rapid access programs for our patients so that they don't have to wait too long to get to get uh, through their their evaluations and um and so forth. But but those things don't, you know, the, although although they're good for patient care, they they don't really change outcomes that much, you know. Um we, we still are faced with with lung cancer uh patients presenting with very advanced disease. So um, about uh, 15 years ago, I started uh, being more involved on the research side uh, on on developing new ways and and new approaches to lung cancer screening, which has not really been uh, been, been uh, something that we do um, in the healthcare system. So so it's been really an exciting um, you know 15 years going from some of the research aspects and understanding more about screening to uh, being finally at a stage where we're implementing it. So. That's kind of the my my uh, my my path through uh, to this point with regards to lung cancer and lung cancer screening. Awesome! I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you when you were a young doctor coming up through the system. What 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 caught your eye? I, I, maybe it was respiratory health, but what what did you think you wanted to be at the beginning? Yeah, before well, I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon when I went to med school, but that's because I was involved into in sports. So I'm probably the furthest away from that specialty now than I could be. But um, and then I I started through med school and residency, liked a lot of procedural uh, things, and um, actually did a critical care uh, fellowship. And in the U.S. still today, although it's not no longer the case in Canada, most uh, 
critical care fellowships are combined with um, uh, respiratory medicine fellowships. They're, they're all in one. Or in Canada, it's kind of been uh, spread out. And, and as I went through that, I started to realize I like the, the respiratory medicine parts more than the critical care parts. So actually, I never practiced critical care once uh, once I came to Alberta and focused on the on the pulmonary medicine aspects. Awesome. Very interesting. I love getting to know people behind sort of what they're doing now. So that's really amazing. And and switching back to Stephanie, uh, let's let's talk more about the lung screening program lung screening, lung cancer screening program in Alberta. So who is eligible for lung cancer screening, uh, I guess, province-wide? Sure. So um, people are eligible if they're between the ages of 50 and 74 years of age. Um, They also have to have um, a history of smoking cigarettes, Uh, fairly heavy smoker, Um, usually at least 15 years of smoking. Um, They still can be currently smoking or recently quit. Um, They also right now have to have a primary care provider. Um, And mainly the reason for that is so that if there are any incidental findings that come up on their low-dose CT scan, that that primary care provider can manage those other findings um, that might not be lung cancer related, but could be something else. Um, And then we actually also have a fairly, um, I don't know what the word is, but at risk calculation that are that we run the patient's information through. So some of their demographic information is factored into this calculator that will give us a risk calculation of their percent chance of having risk or lung cancer in the next six years. Um, And so we have chosen um, a risk calculation of 1.5% or greater uh, and the risk calculation that we use, risk calculator that we use is called the PLCOM 2012 risk calculator uh, created by Dr. Tamamagi at Brock University in Ontario. So those are the key um, eligibility criteria for patients. Um, sometimes the patient may also not be eligible for lung cancer screening based on some of their other, um, you know, health concerns. Um, and Dr. Trombley can probably add a little bit more there, but those are essentially the, you know, the patients that we're trying to target are, you know, people between the age of 50 and 74 have a, a heavy smoking history, um, have that primary care provider and a 1.5% risk calculation. Interesting. Yeah, perfect. Thanks for that summary. Uh, one thing, one question that came to mind, and if you don't know the answer, Stephanie, we could certainly tag in Dr. Trombley, but um, it seems like a fairly specific age bracket. Why, why, why not 40 to 75 or 30 to 75? What, what, what factored into that decision? I'll let Dr. Trombley answer that one. He's the clinical right, so, expert. Yeah, maybe starting on the, excuse me, on the younger side. You know, so as as so lung can one of the biggest predictors of lung cancer is age. So as we age, the uh, lung cancer is more common. It's it's not impossible below age fifty, but it's much less common. So you you'd have to screen many more people uh, to, to find you know one one lung cancer. Um, and and then the, the the converse of that is that the risk of radiation because it is a, a CT scan that we're using. There's some radiation exposure. 
um, is much greater in younger patients. So as, as the younger you are, the more the radiation uh, can downstream cause harm, you know, typically cancer. So, so yeah, it's a bit of a risk benefit. Practically, practically speaking as well, all of the research and randomized studies on non-cancer screening uh, have been in patients either 50 or older or 55 and older. Um, so there's no, no evidence of efficacy in, uh, in that uh, younger age group. Um, you know, in, in older patients, it's a bit of a, a, a trickier question. And, and um, uh, most Canadian, I think all Canadian sites are looking at 74. In the U.S., they go up to 80 in, in, um, uh, in, in certain, uh, certain criteria. The, the main issue there is um, other causes of, you know, of health issues and eventually of mortality. And, you know, when, when you screen someone, you're trying to detect cancer earlier, of course. That's uh, how, how screening can be effective. Um, so if you detect a lung cancer in someone today, you're really preventing, you know, that cancer to ca causing harm down the road. And that could be three, five, maybe seven years from now. Um, so, so if you're old enough or have health issues, you know, that make it less likely that you're going to survive five years, detecting a cancer now um, is not necessarily going to help that, that individual. In fact, could cause harm because now you're doing a biopsy in someone that's got bad lung disease, you're, you're, you've got more risk of complications. So that's why, you know, we, 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 we need a, a cutoff somewhere, both in terms of age and other health problems where, where um, it might not, you know, the, the patient may never benefit from the screening, uh, but yet still get some of the downsides. Now, what's hard about that is that we're trying to predict the future and we're not very good at doing that to some degree. So we try to have some fairly concrete kind of cutoffs and, and, and harms, but acknowledging that they're, they're not always going to be perfect. But that's, that's the rationale for having, you know, a limit at the upper end of age. Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense, but, but both on the lower end and the upper end. So thank you for answering that question. Uh, we'll stay with Dr. Trombley on this one. And I want you to get as scientific and nerdy as you possibly can on this one. Don't hold back on us. So how is lung cancer different from other cancers in the body? How is it the same? And mm -hmm. I guess just what... Are, are there is it more dangerous is it is it not as bad i don't i don't want to say it not as bad it's cancer it's the c word it's it's usually bad right. so how how is it different yeah so the a, a few things that are different about it one is it's the most common one so just in terms of prevalence it's very common so so um it, it stands out there and on top of being um very common it's also one of the most lethals uh, in terms of you know uh fatality rates once you're diagnosed but then it also turns out to be the, the the deadliest in terms of raw numbers. So more more Albertans die of lung cancer than any other cancer. In fact, more than the next three most common cancers combined. Um, so so it's got a bad combination of being very frequent and, and very lethal. Um, and another thing that's not unique to it, but it is is that it doesn't cause symptoms when it, in its early stage. You know, you can't feel a lump. Um, for example, you know, if you if you have a breast lung, you might still have early breast cancer, for example. But lung cancers, until they're large or spread, don't tend to cause symptoms, which is why most of the people we see in the office with 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 lung cancer, eighty uh, percent or seventy five percent or more, have advanced disease when they show when they walk in the door. Um, so that's really why you know we're talking about screening because there's that asymptomatic phase of, of illness where we can we can potentially detect and intervene uh, much earlier. 
Um, so those are kind of the, the biggest things. I guess the other big thing that's, um, and, and you'll see that in, you've heard that in terms of the screening criteria is that we have one risk factors, which overwhelmingly uh, causes, um, you know, most of the disease, about 80% of all lung cancers is due to one single risk factor. And I think every, all the listeners will know what that is, which is, it is uh, cigarette smoking, tobacco smoking. Um, so, so that makes our, our screening program much more targeted to higher risk individuals, as you've heard, whereas other screening program will be based on your gender and, and your age, uh, usually alone. We have a, a bit more sophisticated risk prediction models to try to really screen only the people that are at higher risk. Um, but again, that's imperfect. Some people at low risk on paper, unfortunately, do develop lung cancer, and we, we know that the screening program will miss those. Um, but right now, we don't have a good enough tool to to apply to the whole population of a certain age. Um, we're, we're not quite there yet. But that that would be the biggest, um, you know, the biggest difference in terms of the risk is that there's, you know, there's other risks for lung cancer, but the driving one is is still tobacco smoking. Yeah, it, 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 it's super interesting. I'm in a healthcare ethics and the law class, and we speak uh, last class. We spoke a little bit about agency, and we don't have to dive into uh, societal aspects here. I don't want to talk about rights and wrongs, but it's just super interesting to think about. Um, obviously, you guys don't don't look at it as they they chose this. They they do this to them to themselves that kind of thing. And and obviously, that's not the right way to look at it. But it's just kind of it's interesting when you take a step back and look at people and how they have agency. There's just it's just it's always interconnected. Is I guess what I'm trying to get at. It's not just science. It's also a little bit in the background. So. That yeah, was don't a, get me started on that. We'll have a whole other podcast. Exactly. Yeah, that that's that's uh, bioethics podcast. Actually, that's an interesting topic. We should do a bioethics topic on a future episode. So back uh, to Stephanie on this one. How can people get referred to participate in the lung cancer screening program? Sure. So um, up till now, um, most of our referrals have come just from primary care providers. So your family physician or a nurse practitioner that you see at your uh, doctor's office. Um, we're a pilot, so we're just uh, testing out the, the program and the processes. So we've worked with six primary care networks across the province, but we have now expanded um you know, across Alberta to try and get a few more referrals um, from different areas of Alberta. So primary care providers can still refer their patients. We've provided them with a referral form and they fax it to our program. Um, patients who have a family doctor and think they're eligible can also now call the lung cancer screening program directly. Uh, we have a toll-free line with uh, registered nurses that they can um, speak with. And so the number for that is 1-866-727-3926. Um, and so they can they can just contact them. The BRN will go through some uh, risk criteria with them and and then determine if they're eligible. And then coming soon, we're also working on an online portal on our website, so patients will be able to actually refer themselves, do the risk calculation, and then refer themselves if they're eligible through our website. So. Um, 
the website is screeningforlife.ca slash lung. Uh, and that uh, portal for referral will be coming soon. We hope within the next um, few weeks. So we're excited about that. Amazing. And I didn't put this question into my questions. I don't know why I didn't. And I'm going to put you on the spot a bit. So if you don't know the answer, maybe rough, 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 Paul, whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. That's how, how many people have you been able to help? I, I assume since it's pilot, you don't have like an average per month, but w- w- what kind of numbers are you seeing so far? Sure. So we, for the pilot, we are able to screen up to 3,000 people until the end of March 31st, 2024. And we, so far, as of September 30th, had screened um, just over 1,000, but 1,200 have been accepted into the program, just haven't had their low-dose CT scan yet. Um, So, yeah, we're hoping to be able to get um, some additional referrals in the next few months to to be able to share some great results from from the pilot and eventually spread it across the rest of the province and increase our our numbers. Yeah, hopefully this this episode spreads a little bit of awareness too. That would be amazing. Um, so back to you, Dr. Trombley. Uh, what are some risk factors of developing lung cancer? Essentially things you can't change as opposed to behaviors you can implement to reduce your chances of lung cancer. We'll speak about behavioral changes later on, but what are just some inherent risk factors, I guess, mm-hmm. genetics, but I'll, I'll leave that to you. Yeah, we, we do see some some different um, rates of lung cancer in different populations. So in Asia, for example, um, we see more lung cancers and in particular, more lung cancers not related to uh, tobacco smoking. Um, so, you know, it, this might be to some degree genetic factors. Um, there might be some other environmental factors as well, but um, probably some genetic factors. Um, uh, so, so that would, you know, there's certainly some changes. And, and even in people who have other risks like smoking, um, we, you know, we know, for example, if you have a first degree relative with lung cancer uh, and you smoke, um, you'll have a higher risk of lung cancer than if you don't have such a, a relative. So there's genetic factors, you know, um, uh, even even uh, that that might interact with uh, risks like tobacco. You know, perhaps some people don't met- don't repair the damages done by the tobacco smoker, or don't metabolize nicotine in the same way, and are more likely to be addictive to tobacco, for example. So so there's a few kind of interactions that happen there as well. Um, you know, there, there's other things like uh, nutritional things, which I guess I guess you can modify. But um, you know, we know that nutritional deficiencies, for example, might uh, might might change your risk of lung cancer. Um, all of the other ones are really um, exposures, you know, and like cigarettes. But there's others that I don't know if you want to get into now. But um, yeah, that might, let's get right into it. Might as well. Right. Um, so, so, and and some of those, luckily, you could do something about. Some are industrial, so things in in the the workplace. Asbestos was the big one, and is still around, especially in in, in Alberta in in uh, renovation or or demolition work. We're not using it in new construction, um, but if we're renovating old homes or buildings, um, I know Foothills here is full of asbestos. So, any, anytime we 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 do a, some renovations at the hospital, we have to abate the asbestos. So that that's a big one. Um, and it's synergistic with with uh, smoking. So if you 
smoke and have um, asbestos, expo asbestos exposure, you multiply your risk, you don't add the risk. Um, uh, so that, that can be a, a common uh, advice, uh, you know, additional risk factors. Uh, Radon is another one that people may have read about or, or um, seen in the news. Um, there's a bit more uh, um, promotion of, of this. So radon is a natural gas, uh, radioactive gas that comes out of the soil. And when it's diluted in the atmosphere, it doesn't really cause harm. But when it gets concentrated in our homes, which are you know ever more airtight and, and insulated, um, it accumulates and and um, uh, is also also is, uh, uh, interacts with smoking, but uh, can 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 also be a cause of lung cancer in people that have never smoked. Um, so you can get your house tested for radon, um, and you can mitigate um, uh, the radon levels if they're high. It costs a bit of money. Um, but if, if you're going to be in your home a long time, especially if you have kids, um, uh, that's that's probably a good thing to do. Um, you can look at their website called Evict Radon, um, and and um, find lots of good information in Al from Alberta uh, on this issue. Um, so that's another another you know I wouldn't say easily modifiable, but modifiable uh, risk, which hopefully in the future will be dealt with at the um, on construction and and uh, level rather than at the at the medical testing level type thing. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. That it, it's it's funny. I'm sitting two levels above a radon mitigation system right now. We installed one in my house two years ago. Our our numbers were just at the threshold at, um, where it wasn't too dangerous, but my family didn't want to take any. Um, well, we want to take a lot of precaution with that, so we installed it, and now our house is very low. Um, the the, the what you what you mentioned about it's a bit costly. It is a bit costly. Having said that, uh, it's only about the cost of ex changing out like a uh, one of your appliances, like like a, a fridge or or even like your AC unit, something like that. So it's not astronomical by any sense. And if it helps with uh, your lung health. Health is the most important thing out there. So, yeah, uh, radon is definitely a big one. And as November approaches, uh, radon initiatives kick into high gear at Alberta Lung just because the windows close, the radon stays in more because it's colder outside. So we have to keep bundled down and, and radon uh, increases in our houses. So, yeah, th those initiatives will be kicking into high gear. And so let's switch back to Stephanie for this one. Where can people get screened for the program? Is it province-wide? Is it mainly in uh, central hubs? How, how does that look? Yeah, so patients still need to come through our program, um, either through the primary care referral or a self-referral. Um, and then the primary care provider or the, the nurse will review the eligibility to the program by doing that risk assessment. Then if the patient is eligible, they'll discuss the risks and benefits of having that low dose CT scan. Um, if the patient agrees, then we get their consent uh, to participate in the program. A letter would be sent to the patient and their primary care provider to indicate their participation. Um, and then the, the nurse practitioner with our program or the um, registered nurse would then order the low-dose CT scan um, to occur at one of the following diagnostic imaging sites. So a patient can't just book their low-dose CT scan and the primary care provider can't book their low-dose CT. We have to book the low-dose CT scan um, 
right now. So those sites um, are at the Royal Alexandra Hospital in Edmonton, uh, the Peter Lockheed Health Centre, Sheldon Schumer Health Centre and Richmond Road Diagnostic and Treatment Centre in Calgary, uh, the Grand Prairie Regional Hospital. We are just starting now um, early November at the High River Hospital, just south of Calgary, as well as the Wainwright Health Center. So we know our diagnostic imaging sites are busy and um, capacity is limited. So we, because our pilot was, you know, fairly small and uh, targeted, those are the sites right now that can accommodate the, the low-dose CT scans. Awesome. Yeah, it sounds sounds like it's pretty spread decently province-wide, so it, it it accommodates travel to a degree. And obviously, being a pilot, it can't cover every square inch of the province, but it uh, it does sound like it, it helps people pretty much province-wide. So that's that's really good to know. So throwing back to Dr. Trombley, uh, I, I want to edit this question a bit, ad lib it. I don't I don't know why I didn't put this one in. So I'm wondering. What are the steps after someone is diagnosed with lung cancer and how is it treated? But I want to edit the question in that if if a patient is screened, goes through the screening program and it's early onset lung cancer, how was that treated differently than late onset lung cancer? Is is there a difference in chemotherapy? Is there no chemotherapy if it's early onset? What, what are the differences if you do catch it early as opposed to if it's really advanced? Right. So that's a good question. So, so if, you know, most of the patients that, that are diagnosed with lung cancer through screening have early stage lung cancer, which, which is obviously what we're trying to achieve. And, and early stage um, lung cancer, especially the stage one uh, uh, cancer, which again is what we're looking for in screening, are going to be treated surgically, meaning that the, the tumors will be removed by a surgeon. Um, so, so uh, for those earliest uh, lesions, there, there's usually no chemotherapy or, or, or other treatments. Um, for some that are early-ish, so stage two, um, often there'll be some chemotherapy after the surgery, uh, which helps reduce the recurrence rate. Uh, but most people would would be stage one and, and uh, have surgery alone. Um, a few a few patients, if they are um, have uh, significant lung uh, issues, for example, bad emphysema, they may not be able to tolerate surgery, and, and they may be offered radiation instead of surgery. Um, uh, success rates are good, but not quite as good as surgery. So, um, but but in some cases, uh, we've gone in, uh, in that direction. Um, and then, you know, to contrast that to the, the clinical scenario, most patients with advanced disease would get a combination of either radiation uh, or chemotherapy, or, or these days what we would call systemic therapy, which is either standard kind of chemotherapy or some of the newer treatments like immunotherapies or targeted therapies that um, aim, aim, uh, are aimed towards specific mutations that some tumors have. And, and that's very individualized uh, based on the uh, exact subtype of lung cancer that someone may have. Um, but, for, but for the early stage lung cancers, it's, it's uh, pretty, pre pretty straightforward. We try to remove them. Now that's easy to say. I'm not a surgeon, but we send them to our, our, our the good, the good hands of our surgeons who uh, who uh, remove the remove these tumors early. Very interesting. I d I didn't think it would be that invasive. I guess that early on, but obviously you want to get rid of it completely. So that yeah. that makes sense. Surgery never even came to my mind. It, I think when you think of cancer, you think immediately chemotherapy. But 
surgery didn't come to mind and that's that's actually really interesting and and it, it it's awesome that it, the, the plan is just to get rid of it completely and not have to go through chemotherapy so uh i'll, I'll throw it back to stephanie for a last question on the lung cancer screening front uh where where can people get more information about the program um and and who who do they get in contact with uh if they have more questions Sure. So our website has all this information on it. Um, so the website again is screeningforlife.ca slash lung. Um, or if they want to speak with um, someone, they can call the 1-866-727-3926. And the, you know, depending on what types of questions they have, the staff will redirect, um, redirect their calls. And likely someone would call them back. Awesome. Perfect. I, I think we've gotten all the information we need on the on the screening side. And that, that's really amazing. I have two final questions and I'll throw them to the floor. I think they're more so uh, on Dr. Trombley's side. They're kind of technical. Um, so but if, if you have any info on, on tips and stuff like that, certainly jump in, Stephanie. Uh, so the first one is why are the rates of lung cancer in Canada rising? That's a good question. So the actually, if you look at rates, they're actually going down. So rate by rates, I mean age adjusted um, and gender adjusted uh, rates, they're going down, you know, but, but the population is getting older. Um, and in places like Alberta, the population is also growing. So the, the raw number of lung cancer that we're seeing is actually going up. Um, so it's a bit of a difference. Um, but actually, in men in particular, as as you know, smoking has really decreased over the past uh, decades. You know, rates are going down for lung cancer. Um, in women, they haven't gone down quite as much, but the the the, the drops in in smoking rates uh, uh, occurred later um, than than what we saw for men. Uh, so we're we're seeing that. Now that being said, we are seeing more um, uh, cancers in people that have not smoked. And that's there's been some increase, and some of that might be um, um, again uh, more immigrations uh, to Canada from uh, Asian uh, countries where where we know they have increased rates uh, already. Um, there might be other factors like uh, environmental exposure, the radon issue, which is not a an old issue. Old houses a hundred years ago didn't have radon, so some of that is is a, a modern problem. You know what's going to happen after COVID and and uh, frequent pneumonias? We don't know yet. Um, uh, fire smoke is a big concern. You know, if you're exposed to fire smoke one one day a year, maybe it's not a big deal. But if it's, you know, eight weeks a year uh, at a population level, that might have an impact. So there's all kinds of challenges. Marijuana smoking is not gone down. It's going up. Um, vaping, again, too early to tell. Um, but some animal data that's concerning. So lots of, lots of challenges here and, and potential um, uh, uh, signs of trouble in the future. So, yeah, it's not going away in my career, that's for sure, in terms of the lung cancer problem. It's going to be around for a while. Yeah, definitely interesting. Rates rates are going down, but numbers are increasing. So maybe that's a, uh, an effect of the baby boom. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not too... I haven't... Don't uh, had had the chance to dive into numbers like that, but that that's really interesting. And then we already spoke about it. Uh, you answered some of the behavioral changes you can implement, Dr. Trombley. But I'm wondering, 
just uh, to kind of put a, a bow on the conversation um, and, and, and give people kind of sort of a, a walk away, something they can take away from, from the show. What are some tips to reduce your risk of developing lung cancer? Maybe on the everyday level, something you can change, something you can change that's more macro, like uh, bigger, bigger things that in your life that wouldn't be something you could just change today, something that is more prolonged. So what what, what are your tips in general? Yeah, I mean, I mean by far, uh, not starting to smoke. Um, and if you do smoke, quitting, um, you know, that's that's that uh, can't be understated. Uh, how important that is um you know the only the only uh the, o- the only safe thing to breathe is clean air um so you know i i would argue that any other things that you're inhaling uh, you have you should you should have second thoughts about if it's not clean air um but particularly tobacco smoking um you know there, there's no there's no doubt about that and and there's lots of resources you know uh through the lung association through Alberta health services um, and in fact, uh, if, you, if you do come in for screening, we, we offer some cessation resources if, if people are, are still smoking. Um, so, so, so yeah, so that, that's by far. I think, I think uh, if, if you are at risk for lung cancer, get screened. It doesn't reduce, reduce your risk of lung cancer, but it reduces your risk of dying from lung cancer. So if you if you're, unfortunately have those risks, um, yeah, come get screened if you're within that age bracket. Um, other things you mentioned, you know, obviously uh, the, the radon issue. Um, um, I think um, we will we'll, we'll hopefully see progress in the future in dealing with that at a more system, systematic level, at the constru- construction code level. But for that, we need to tell the politicians that this is an important thing. Um, they're not going to do it just just because um, they, people need to ask for it, and not not just the expert, but the the population. Um, they don't they don't care as much about experts as, as they do about what you know individual uh, voters uh, tell them uh, that they should worry about. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, occupational things I think are fairly well dealt with. You know, so um, if you're in the, in that in those businesses, you make sure that you follow the protocols for to reduce your exposures and risks. Um, and then good good nutrition and and uh, uh, good good other uh, motherhood statements, healthy lifestyle. Healthy nutrition's are are going to be important as well. Um, I think those are the main ones, and maybe I forgot some 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 actionable items, but those are the important ones. Yeah, well, it, it's a great start to give our listeners sort of something to run off of and and take an action on. So so that's amazing. So. It has been such a pleasure to have both you, Dr. Trombley and Stephanie on our show today to discuss Alberta's lung cancer screening program. And before we sign off for the day, if you have anywhere that our listeners can keep up with your work specifically, that would be amazing. And I know, Stephanie, you mentioned the website. Um, so may- maybe this is more for Dr. Trombley. Uh, any- anywhere that people can keep up with you and what you're doing, any kind of scientific articles, uh, yeah, so, so the Screening for Life website is great for general resource in Alberta or specific resources in Alberta on lung cancer and other cancer screening for sure. Um, on Twitter, actually, I have a, a feed called uh, um, uh, at lung cancer screen. So so it's kind of a general feed on that um, uh, distributes some information on, on lung cancer screening. So that one way to find me. Um, if you really want to get into details of publications, you can look on uh, PubMed, which is kind of the search engine for uh, for all the all the scientific literature, and if you plug in Calgary and my name and lung cancer screening, you'll you'll get a few things that hopefully you'll find interesting. And obviously, often with Canadian and Alberta data that uh, uh, from people that have participated in our studies uh, over the past fifteen years. So, 
Um, it, it all get all, all all eventually gets published uh, somewhere. So um, that's the way to find it. Awesome, perfect. That's that that's so great to know. And so that does it for our interview today. So with that, I'll just send us straight through to our outro. That was such a phenomenal show with Dr. Tremblay and Stephanie. It's a wonder that it took us nearly two years to talk about lung cancer on our show. But I guess as they say, better late than never. Before we sign off, I am just going to run through a few of my final concluding thoughts as I usually do. The first is the specific criteria that is needed for someone to be eligible for the lung cancer screening program. I thought it was interesting how, at first, I thought that specifically the age criteria was rather strict, but then Dr. Trombley explained to me how increasing age is actually a common factor in developing lung cancer and that 50 years plus seems to be when the initial stages actually begin. This just goes to show how the immense preparation and deliberation that has to go into a pilot project like this and how much is needed to discern the requisite criteria needed for a program and just something that is as important as this one so it's really incredible to think of how much thought and and effort goes into something like this the nuance of when what ages they can test someone i wouldn't think of that right off the hop but obviously i'm not a physician so that just doesn't go through my mind and then on the other side not wanting to subject young people to the harmful effects of radiation from the CT scan. That also makes sense if it's very rare for lung cancer to occur in younger adults and even children. Why subject them to something that isn't really going to help them and it's actually going to be more dangerous? So I think that my initial, I, I don't want to call it skepticism, but kind of questioning of why why such a specific age criteria for the lung cancer screening program it was interesting how dr trombley just kind of put that to rest really quickly explained it scientifically why they do it this way and it, it, it it's just amazing to think of all that goes into a program like this second it is incredible that lung cancer is both the most common type of cancer and the deadliest cancer more Albertans die of lung cancer than any other kind of cancer. So just think of how important screening and early detection is in light of that information. We always say uh, around Alberta Lung, around the offices, and obviously on this podcast you've heard one in five Albertans suffers with lung disease. And one of those lung diseases is obviously lung cancer. And for it to be both the most common and the deadliest type, that's incredible. I, I, I'm thinking back to a time when I was sitting down with Nina Snyder, our chief operating officer, and she was telling me about how common lung disease and lung cancer is, and it's just not talked about. It, it, it's, for lack of a better term, it's not sexy. It's not breast cancer awareness. It's not other things, Parkinson's. It's just, it doesn't get that kind of glitz and glamour that other diseases do when obviously it needs it from how common it is and how deadly it is so that's what this show is for it's to get the word out there that lung disease and lung cancer are incredibly common and dangerous and we just have to talk about it a bit more even if it's not uh, something that that is is common to talk about in the health landscape and finally i thought it was both interesting and 
A little scary that Dr. Trombley said that there is very little in the way of symptoms in early stage lung cancer. Unlike something like breast cancer, where you may be able to feel a lump in the early stages of the disease, the same is not true for early stage lung cancer. And this is so scary and probably what contributes to the disease's high mortality rate. And obviously this goes back to my last point of how important screening is in light of this information that you can't tell when you have it. So if you can't tell just by how you feel, obviously you have to get checked uh, by medical practitioners in the area who have expertise in this. So it's, it's incredibly important to screen. We advocate it for it immensely at Alberta Lung. And it, the fact that there are no early stage symptoms is just another little piece of the puzzle to why it's so common and so deadly. Okay, well that feels a little dire. It feels like a dire way to end the podcast, but obviously that's not what we're aiming to do here. We're trying to educate, and even though things of this nature, lung cancer, are kind of scary and, and, and they can bring people down, they're just they're facts of life and we have to talk about them to spread awareness. So in light of that, a massive thank you to Dr. Trombley and Stephanie for being on the show today and giving their valuable time to share some knowledge with us and increase our awareness of lung cancer. Obviously, if you know someone who would fit the criteria to be eligible for the lung cancer screening program, please, please, please tell them about it. Catching lung cancer early, as we've heard today, is so important for decreasing your chance of dying from the disease. Health and helping you live a longer, happier life is what we're all about here at Alberta Lung. So we encourage everybody and anybody who can participate in this program to do so. Okay, well, that will just about do it for today's show. I'll leave you, as I always do, with our motto. As always, just remember to breathe.